You're listening to the 411 Forecast Wrestling Podcast on the one and only 411 Podcast Network. That's right, you are listening to the 411 Foresight Wrestling Podcast on the 411 Podcast Network. Thanks to the Resonant Complex for that super cool opening. Be sure to check out their debut album, North Ave, on all your favorite streaming sites. All right, today's podcast, we have top five championship matches in wrestling history. I asked a bunch of people on Twitter and everybody for your favorite match. So I'm going to quick run through these here. We got Lightball Man with another bright idea. He says Edge's first Money in the Bank cash-in. Resolution, always a great choice there. Ashwin says Punk vs. Dina, Money in the Bank 2011, pure classic. It absolutely was. I had goosebumps from beginning to end. Dylan says the Dolph Ziggler cash-in the night after WrestleMania 29. Obviously a great moment and what people call the loudest ovation of all time, so be sure to YouTube that one. Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 12. That's the Iron Man victory over Bret Hart that everybody knows. Mr. Coop says Chris Jericho beating The Rock and Stone Cold in the same night. Vengeance 2001, that's when he became the undisputed champion, which obviously is historic for its own reasons. Grievance Committee says Mankind over The Rock for his first WWE title. I will touch on that one later. Aaron says Warrior beats Hogan at WrestleMania 6. I was 11 years old and had never seen Hogan lose clean before. That is big because that is very true. Hogan had never lost for years. So to see him lose to the Ultimate Warrior was both a shock and very, very big news for the future of wrestling. Chris says a lot of those also. Warrior over Hogan, Mankind over Rock, Goldberg over Hogan for the WCW title. Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30. I will touch on that later. DIY over the Revival for the NXT Tag Team titles. A classic right there. Bailey and Sasha for the NXT Women's title at TakeOver Brooklyn and TakeOver Respect. Probably the greatest women's match of all time as they are ready to main event WrestleMania in a few weeks for the first time, am- for the first time ever. Mike Fergus just shows a picture of CM Punk holding the WWE title. Again, the match against Cena, 2011. Maybe one of the greatest matches I've ever seen and definitely match of the year for 2011. Simon says Austin Rock WrestleMania 17. Set the biggest buy rate record in the United States, 2001. We all know about that. Jericho versus Triple H on Raw, which technically never happened because it was reversed. Rock versus Triple H, Backlash 2000. Again, huge crowd response there. Bulldog versus Brett. Wembley, SummerSlam 1992. Pete says, as a huge macho fan when I was younger, the WrestleMania Four tournament felt enormous. Yes, it did. The big title match for Macho Man. WWE Trivia Generator says watching Roman Reigns win his first title took a while, but he got there. He eventually did get there, and he is now the top star. Cena defending against Shawn Michaels. I'm assuming WrestleMania 23's main event. Great match there. Shawn Michaels, again, WrestleMania 12, winning the Iron Man match. Lex Luger beating Hogan after a nearly a year reign. That was obviously a Nitro in WCW. Goldberg passing Hogan, which we mentioned. Austin beating Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 14 to start the Austin era. The list goes on. That's what he says. And yes, the list does go on. So rambling aside, let me introduce to you first, Mr. Matty Moses. How's it going? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me again for one of these lists. You know, I love it. It's it's kind of cool to go back and relive some of it and dive back into the matches and just even confirm it for myself that they were title matches. You know, so much so much time has passed and you know i kind of chuckled to myself when you mentioned you know uh from any era and really i only have 
you know, a, a couple decades uh, in there, you know, basically from Attitude Era up to early 2000s, just, you know, that I'm familiar with. So that's kind of where I'm just going to be stuck for this for this All segment. Right. But uh, I figure you want to dish it over? Yeah, dish it over to our third competitor. Introduce yourself. My name is Noah Watry. I'm Justin's brother. And like Matt said, who does have great music, by the way, you should really check him out. Thanks. Um, yeah, like like Matt said, my my experience is a little bit limited, going to be really narrowed down here, but I feel like it's going to be very detailed and probably include some matches and some wrestling moments you guys may have forgotten about and most likely is what you grew up on in living kind of in the moment, so... Just to, to rehash those moments for you guys. Okay, we got top five championship matches. So, Noah, do you want to kick it off for us? I'm going to kick it off, and I guarantee no one will talk about this match. It's not going to be on anyone's radar, but it is going to probably be among the most recent matches. And actually will be the – it's going to include the, the last pay-per-view I watched, and that would be WrestleMania 34. Uh, I know I'm going to butcher the last name here, but Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. Yes. Um, oh, that was a that good one, one, sure. That one to me, number one, um, I had not seen a WrestleMania in almost a decade. So thanks to Justin for we, – we all kind of hung out and watched the match. And, you know, I didn't really know too much of any buildups, any matches, any title defenses, what have you. But watching that match – it stole the show. That was the match um, of the pay-per-view to me. <clears throat> um, obviously, Triple H and Angle and Stephanie and Rousey, that one was kind of cool and everything. But the point and the whole theme here is title matches. And Charlotte Flair, number one, not that necessarily it was a women's match, but the fact that they finally showcased women who wrestled. Yeah, I think we, that's a we, great way to put that, too. Yeah, We knew women could wrestle. We, yeah. we knew Lita could wrestle. We knew Trish Stratus, um, Tori, Sable, the Sable Bomb. Like, they could do all these moves. They could do this. China. Right. I mean, you know, rest in peace, China. But they could do this, but they were just never showcased. And th- when they were, it would be like the next week, like, oh, they're in a bra and panties match. They, right. they have to strip down. They have to wear these sexy outfits. And not, not that they don't now, because obviously they do, but. Um, for them to steal the show and for me to look back on that match after not watching for almost a decade and to say, this match stole the show, it's still what I think of, and you go to Noah and say, what do you remember about WrestleMania 34? I say Charlotte Flair, Asuka, and to me that, that one stole the show. So I just really I feel like that one should get a nod, and I guess that's what I have to say about that one right now. Let me just check back. I did leave some notes here. Yeah, I feel like women finally got their due with it and well-deserved. And Yeah, yeah I think that's well, a, no, I well think that's a, Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a neat turnaround, especially when you pick up uh, from watching it, from having not watched it, like you mentioned, uh, a decade later to kind of see where the women's where, – where it's at right now. So it's, it seems like it's in a pretty healthy spot. My, yeah. mine, oh, Justin, did you want to harp on that? You want to touch on that a little bit? Or? A little bit. I think that's a good choice. I went the thought of it, but it is a good choice because, yeah, they haven't been called divas in years. They're superstars now. They're right. just like the men. Right. They haven't been called brawn panties or diva matches. Right. They haven't had exactly. those. 
So it is a nice welcome, and I'm sure Matt will remember this or not, but our podcast <laughs> about a year, year and a half Give ago. Give some credit. Come on. About uh, a <laughs> year, year and a half ago. Um, yeah, I don't remember that. He one. asked me about all this. <laughs> and there goes credibility. It was basically that, you know, the women are now superstars, and last year that stole the show, and the other match, which my was match of the night, was obviously with Ronda Rousey. And all year, the women main evented. They were last on Raw. They were last on SmackDown. They main evented pay-per-views. There was an all-women's pay-per-view that sold out in New York. And this year, WrestleMania, MetLife Stadium, 80,000, the main event for the first time ever is going to be women. And that's a good match because now it shows you of the different era. So it's a good, you know, movement forward. So that's my thoughts on it. Matt, what is your number five? My number no, five? Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. I just, <laughs> I'm not mean to cut you off, but I just want to reiterate, Um, like Justin said, it was something new and fresh and that finally showcasing. And my list will kind of show that a little bit, somewhat. Um, But the fact that... That they were finally being showcased, and oh shoot, I did lose my train of thought here. Okay, never mind. Matt, go on. It's all never good. Mind. It's all good. <laughs> never we'll mind. Get never there. Mind. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, mine was Triple H versus Cactus Jack Royal Rumble, a two thousand, and just for like the sheer brutalness of it, and I don't know, it just it seemed like it was a a good mix, you know, just between the, I don't know, just how brutal it was, and. Two two guys, you know, like Mick Foley getting that chance, and I don't know. They, they, I think they, they put on, they put on a good match. They yeah. might have bled. The, they might have bled to death if they would have let them. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember that one very well. Just, uh, that's a good choice. The historic background for it is um, Stone Cold, who I guess was well for story was run over by a car two months earlier, but we'll forget about that. <laughs> he was out. The usual, though. <laughs> he was Ricky out. Uh, <laughs> he was out with a neck injury, and The Undertaker had also disappeared in 1999 for surgery, and he would return a few months later at Judgment Day 2000. But, you know, the company at this time obviously was, you know, battling WCW. It was the dying days of WCW, but... Um, the backstory to this was nobody trusted anybody to quote unquote draw at the top of the card. Undertaker was out. He had been there for a decade and Stone Cold was obviously the man. They didn't have anybody. Triple H in 1999 pretty much had to be put on top. And mankind had actually walk, walked into Vince's office in November 1999 and told him he was retiring. And Vince looked at him and said, you just had your last match. And it ended up changing because Stone Cold and all that went out, because the thing about it was, you know, Stone Cold was leaving, and Foley was kind of like, I can't lead the team now. I can't, you know, retire. So basically Vince told him, get in the best shape of your life, and we're going to do a story with you in Triple H. And obviously then he uh, had the title, and the lead-up was to WrestleMania, and it was to basically prove that, you know, other guys can draw on top. And Royal Rumble 2000 ended up doing, I believe at the time, a top five buy rate of all time. And the following month, um, inside the cell, Cactus Jack was, you know, he was going to retire. That was the plan. But obviously he came back, but he was going to retire. And that also did a huge buy rate, which led them into WrestleMania. And then Stone Cold came back. And then everything was kind of back to where it was. But, you know, it just proved that other guys could draw on Triple H and Mankind from that point forward were pretty much trusted as main eventers and... You know, it obviously worked out well for the company. 
No, that's so, definitely yeah. yeah, definitely a great point. No, it's good background to have too. That's really interesting. And you know what's not to like about Mick Foley? So you know, an easy guy to get behind too. So yeah, he, that's a really. I good think point. Mick Foley, yeah, definitely represents the everyman. You know, we we all love to wear sweatpants. I mean, shoot, you come home from a hard day at work, <laughs> first thing you do is you get in your sweatpants. Exactly, it's either um, sweatpants or no pants. All right, so my number five. Let's hear. Here we go. Let's hear. Here we go. Let's set the stage for you. Ninety-three thousand fans. Pontiac oh. Silverdome, nineteen eighty-seven WrestleMania three. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yep, I know it. Oh yeah. If you're thinking Hogan, Andre, you are wrong. What? It is not Hogan, Andre. <laughs> oh, that's what I was thinking. I'm this wrong. is my number five match, and it is the only one that is not for the WWE World Championship. I am talking about the Intercontinental Championship oh, match. Wow. Ricky Steamboat over Macho Man. Now you may say, like, what the heck are you talking about? What the heck are you talking about? Exactly. What the heck are you talking about? So let me just tell you how WrestleMania's at this point had gone. WrestleMania 3, the first match went five minutes. The next match went seven minutes. The next match went three minutes. The next match went four minutes. The next match went four minutes. The next match went six minutes. The next match went eight minutes. The next match went three minutes. We've all taken dogs longer than that. Exactly. So in WrestleMania history and the whole point of quote-unquote wrestling wrestling wasn't wrestling. It was two guys locking up. It was maybe a move, a slam, you know, something. And then the crowd would cheer, boo, whatever, and then it was over. To me, Ricky Steamboat Macho Man, which ended up going about 15 minutes, that was the introduction to wrestling. Similar to film study, where they showed The Shining and Citizen Kane, where you can actually now go back and break down each little point. You can go behind the scenes with the director. They can show you why they did what they did, how they did what they did. Sure. Ricky Steamboat Macho Man, you know, they did the hip tosses. They did the arm drags. They went to the top rope. And to me, that introduced the first time where people actually looked at it, you know, maybe like theatrics of, wow, these guys are actually athletic. They're not just two big 300-pound guys that run into each other and uh, pin each other. Right, not just these huge uh, muscle very, build, bodybuilders. And, 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 wow. and, and who knows what the future could have been held from that. So, okay, that's a really good one. Wow. That, that's like a that. good one. And it's similar to the Shawn Michaels, you... Razor Ramon ladder match from WrestleMania 10, where it was pretty much like the introduction where you knew more was to come and it was wrestling before wrestling when you see now you know, eddie guerrero ray mysterio kurt angle you know all these guys now so that's think, where that let's just steal our whole list here well no something something in, in its purest form like that though i think makes it timeless right like and you could say that about some matches and it might not be true but like to what you're saying justin where looking at that the originality behind it or like you know right. you mentioning that that ladder match like what's more to come it just makes it that much and better I, you can appreciate it that much more looking back at it for people and, you know breaking ground like that and i and i will say based on justin's point and my point that is that's what i was going to say before i rudely interrupted matt on his number five um my <laughs> list is going to be based on that it's going to be about the innovators you know giving people their due where you guys may not remember where something may have happened or but but it still sticks out to me oh sure i I literally had to check back only on if they were title matches or not right these are what sticks out to me so right that's what my list will be kind of based on and now i'm kind of more interested in justin's um because based on where he went with number five um so we'll we'll see that's a good one do you want to take us into fourth number four noah Oh, okay, number four, lead right into it. Um, Again, guarantee no one thinks of this, but it, it's what sticks out to me. A little backstory on this one is going to be 
three wrestlers that no one may mention, but again, I feel like they have to get their due and they wrestled their asses off. They were technical. They were entertaining. Um, so it's going to involve Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, and the man we will not necessarily mention, but maybe the best technical wrestler um, of all time. But my number four match is going to be when Kurt Angle first won the Intercontinental belt while also holding the European belt. Sure. And this was going to be at No Way Out 2000. I did have to look up the date, but um, he defeated Chris Jericho for that. So he, he held two belts, European and Intercontinental belt. And that kind of set the stage that Kurt Angle's here to stay. He's new on the scene, but him, Jericho, the other man, you know, and they, and they just kind of had a feud that literally lasted years and years. And they did things technically. They did things on the mic. They did things that they could have stolen pay-per-views, honestly. Right. Um, but it, it still sticks out in my mind, just the moves they did, you know, when they performed. They weren't. They were never the headliners up until later in their careers when they were actually competing for the title belts. But those low belts, such as European, Intercontinental, and that's what sticks out to me. So Kurt Angle, when he, he won the Intercontinental belt while also holding European belt. I'm He's cool. Number four. That's a good pick. I like the idea behind it because it also showed uh, two other things. One is WrestleMania 2000 when that triple threat match happened, and Kurt Angle ended up losing both without being pinned, which was kind of funny. But he, yep. um, I ended up rewatching that one because of this list. Yep. But it was the year WrestleMania 2000. Little stat was the European, Intercontinental, and Tag Team Titles match all had people debuting, and it was also a point of, you know, they were turning a new leaf. Edge and Christian, Dudley's, Hardy's, the three guys you mentioned, you know, yep. two of them had left WCW. And it was pretty much like, okay, it's clearly their company now, and it's over. They have all the young talent and the top stars. So and, that's a good and, pick. Yeah, and do you remember, Justin, when we got that pay-per-view and we were watching it in the living room? Um, I, I, I yes. think Mom actually paid for it, but she came home late, whether she was working or whatever it was. I mean... I mean, obviously, she always did that for us to, to enjoy things. But remember coming home and being like, what are you watching? Oh, what's going on in it? And we were like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I feel like that. I think that was the first pay-per-view we actually, like, purchased and got. So Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, Mom, we just blew 100 bucks on pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Hardy's, yeah, Hardy's. Hardy's. <laughs> Don't, yeah. yeah. The triangle ladder match. So that's a, that's a good match. That was a good night. Oh, man. Yeah, that I'll never forget. So, <laughs> all right, on to you, Moses. Mine is the, and we are talking about this a little bit before the show started, but Raven with the hardcore title and the with the twenty four seven rule, which was like early two thousand one, is when that started. And I just liked it for the innovation behind having that hardcore title and having it up twenty four seven, just you know, up up at any time. I think led for. It, just a lot of creativity and seeing the way, you know, um, Hardcore Holly and, and all those different guys, how they reacted with it. Like how many times it changed hands. I believe I believe the match, it was um, Raven versus Taz. If you're if you're going to look up the clip, it, it was, um, I believe it was in like February 2001. But yeah, that was just the one that, that came to mind. I just like that, the idea of it, of the hardcore and just anything goes. I agree. All right. Um, I think it's uh, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't have that anywhere near my list, but I will say that I will <laughs> You're a piece of crap but <laughs> But I will say that that I would say influenced what us a, shiny, a lot. What a shiny piece of crap. I would say because you know, most of our matches we ended up having were hardcore and that was the stuff that like you said, innovative and we kinda took from it. And I think that's what added to almost like us more than anything. That's a really good point too, because yeah, I remember yeah, all the different matches that we try and have, yeah, you do you have to be creative instead of just slamming each other into the grass, right? So it's like, Bro, well, yeah, or, exactly. And stuff like that probably spawned the um, having the the title hanging from the basketball hoop, you know, yep. like just those oh, different, yeah. you know, those different ideas or like what you can, what can you get away with using as a weapon, right? Like the the fo- the foam bat that's like not foam but kind of foam, <laughs> or like the McDonald's boxes, or <laughs> am I allowed to say McDonald's? Um, yeah. you know, Things like that. So, uh, yeah, mug match. <laughs> mug match. Oh my gosh, mug match. But yeah. no, that's, I, a, that's a great point to make, Justin. And I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I mean, and then even the whole thing of bringing uh, weapons down to the ring with you, like we'd always carry that, you know, yeah. whatever it's called the pail or the, the pail. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Um, come on. It was it. It wasn't <laughs> Mr. Greeny. Gangrel? <laughs> no, which which one of your personas was it? Like the you had the crazy kids? Yes, crazy kids. Crazy, crazy kids. Because like yeah, Raven would have that shopping cart full of all the different yeah yeah, and I'd bring out the bucket. The bucket. That's so cool. That's yeah. I I just want to say um, Matt Matt yeah that was definitely one I was thinking of for an honorable mention um, just because like you said what it represented a hardcore title was constantly on the line twenty four seven. When you're watching the shows, they would randomly cut to something happening backstage. Guys were randomly fighting, and, and it kind of kept you on edge where, oh, may, maybe you don't disappear during a commercial break. Maybe, exactly. Maybe you have to keep watching literally 24-7. That kind of glues you to that, the whole show. You know, there, there used to be matches, okay, you can disappear, but suddenly, oh, hardcore titles on the line 24-7. That's something I was going to mention later. It's it's something that was on my mind as well. But you know that it's at any point, any time, any weapon, anything you can use, like you guys said, use that in our backyard wrestling as well. Um, we took it to a whole different level. Basketball hoop. We we used cars. We used we used a propane tank. Like anything we could literally find to wrestle off of, we we would use. So so yeah, yeah. that definitely kind of spawned some ideas and. I think that one definitely deserves a mention. So really, really good choice. It fits into uh, the thanks, attitude era where you couldn't turn the channel. And thanks to right. that, you know, nobody did turn the channel. So Mr. Matty Moses, you want to tell everyone where you could see some of those NRW matches? Yeah. Uh, if you look up YouTube and search for Mr. Matty Moses and I've got him on there, uh, you know, it's so funny having these podcasts together just makes us want to have uh NRW match, you know, have a return it or something does. like that. Oh, boy. It does. <laughs> it does. And that's, again, Mr. Matty Moses. So M-A-T-T-Y-M-O-S-E-S. Mr. Matty Moses. Perfect. Thanks, just, man. Just for, just for people who may not understand. But no, good just one. getting it out there for you because good, I, I watched a little bit today. So, yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> that's a good segue into my number four, which was a triple threat match. This is the most recent match on my list. 2014 WrestleMania 30, New Orleans. It was Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton versus Batista for the WWE World Championship. 
quick backstory. Daniel Bryan had pretty much been in the middle of the card for months, for years, everything. But in 2012-2013, he kind of caught fire with the whole yes chance. And it kind of got going. John Cena handpicked him, you know, specifically handpicked him to wrestle at SummerSlam the previous year, and he ended up losing clean. So for John Cena to lose clean like that was obviously a major endorsement from him. And then Daniel Bryan kind of got screwed around a little bit with a heel turn and everything kind of, you know, went haywire. But come WrestleMania time, the fans would not stop chanting yes. And in late 2013, there's a famous clip where basically for five minutes, there's an in-ring promo with Triple H, and the crowd just keeps chanting for Daniel Bryan, who had nothing to do with anything going on. And at first he stopped, then he kind of looked around, and then it just kept going, and it wouldn't stop so much so that the Randy Orton versus Batista main event of WrestleMania, and remember, Batista had just returned, and this was his big Guardians of the Galaxy kind of tie-in. He was the big star returning. Fans wanted Daniel Bryan to beat Randy Orton for the title, not Batista. It was just bad timing on Batista's part. So much so that the Randy Orton-Batista main event of WrestleMania got changed. Daniel Bryan was added to the match, and it was not supposed to be that way for a while. He got added to it, the fever pitch of the crowd. It was so big. In the opener, he had to beat Triple H to be added to that match. That was an added stipulation. He beat him clean, and then that night defeated the rest of Evolution. He beat Randy Orton and Batista, won the world title. Clearly, the crowd went nuts in New Orleans, 75,000 fans chanting yes, yes, yes. It was the great story. It was a huge payoff. The next night was one of their highest-rated shows in years, and I believe they've only gotten near that rating once or twice since that day in 2014. But the real reason behind it all is because when people think of wrestling, they think of big, you know, 250, 300-pound men. Daniel Bryan's like 5'6", 5'8", 200 pounds. You know, you could argue Ray Mysterio and everything else. It's the same way. It's the same way where Ric Flair is actually not that big. Heck, people think Randy Savage is pretty big. He's really not. Ric Flair is like a little troll. (laughs) Yes. Just to show you that Daniel Bryan and others, it's not about size. It's not even about anything like that. It's about much more. It's about the passion. It's about the in-ring skills. It's about the presentation. It's about the entrance. It's about everything, and especially the fans. It's all about the fans. It always has been. It always will be because at the end of the day, they're the ones in the arena. They're the ones spending the money. They're the ones buying the pay-per-views, subscribing to the network, all these things. And at that point, it was something to be proven that the fans were not going to take no for an answer. Daniel Bryan was going to be added to that match, and they weren't going to accept anything else. And it happened. They listened. It was a great moment. Huge payoff. Main event. So, so. Daniel Bryan was a little bit after my time where I didn't really watch, but I, I do know of the, the yes chant. Is that kind of the same message that people like would send? Like, yes, yes, yes. Like, yes, this is happening. Yes, this is like a thing. Yeah, it was basically Daniel Bryan. Um, every time he'd win a match, this was during his little heel run, he would like over-exaggerate. Like he'd win a count out over like some bum and he'd get out of the ring and go, yes, yeah, and act like he just won the Super Bowl. But then it caught on, and instead of the yes, you know, he ended up having the yes lock as his finisher, but it ended up taking on a life of its own and meaning so much more. They called it the yes movement, and then they also called it yeslemania. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, um, again, to go back on that with Batista, so was that near the end of his time? Did he come back for that? Because I remember Batista with, 
with evolution and all of a sudden he was huge with the Batista bomb and he kind of resonated almost like the, the modern day, um, uh, modern day warrior where, you know, he, he'd rip on the ropes and you'd get behind him and you get amped up. And then like, this is it, this is happening. Yeah. Batista, um, he had his obviously Ronnie debut in 2002, did the whole evolution thing, was world champ in 2005, did that whole thing. He left in 2010 and he left because of a few, you know, different reasons which i guess don't really matter now in hindsight but after four years yes he returned in 2014 won the rumble and he was supposedly going to be the big star that was going to set records at wrestlemania you know the guardians of the galaxy tie-in he was going to have the belt he's going to have the belt at the opening and all the red carpets and like i said uh fans you know no offense to batista but they weren't going to take it they were getting daniel bryan in that match so batista ended up um he lost and Daniel Bryan got the world title, and then Batista ended up leaving only a few months later. So he was back in 2014 for, I believe, six months, and then he left, and now he's back again. So he came back for six months and then left, and now he's back after five years. All right. So, I mean, great for that. I used to love Batista, loved Evolution, loved Triple H. But, but again, th- this was more of a case than the fans were kind of giving you and showing you what they wanted. And Vince kind of what followed and listened to that. Yeah, he eventually got the message. But again, WrestleMania of all shows is planned out, you know, months in advance, sometimes a year. Orton was going to hold the title. They definitely set their storylines up for that, yeah. Yeah, he was going to be the heel champ and cheating and screwing everyone out of the way. And then here comes Batista after four years, the conquering hero, returning, the big movie star, win the Rumble. And again, I think people have appreciated Batista's six-month run in hindsight. But at the time, it was just, you know, we love you, Batista, but we want Daniel Bryan. So Yeah, they, I, I, yeah that, unless you're The Rock or Stone Cold, that probably doesn't work. Right. And, there's and, even, and I say that as a guy, I used to love Batista, but honestly, it'd be like, really? You, you couldn't do maybe better? You couldn't think of something different for WrestleMania, like the, the, the show of all shows? Like, Yeah, I mean, on paper, it sounds great. Batista, the big movie star, the top guy returning after four years to beat the heel champ. And then he goes on red carpets and talk shows and he's the champ. So it sounds great. But again, the yes movement wasn't slowing down. So, Matt, you got anything to add before Noah's number three? No, no, go for it. All right. All right. Number three on my list. I've seen it, I think, a couple times. Um, You may be surprised it's not higher, but Backlash 2000, Rock versus Triple H, um, many, many reasons here, but number one, actually not number one. I'm just going to read a couple of them here. Um, first of all, Triple H, Justin alluded to this earlier. Triple H kind of ran the show. Like he literally carried the company. Stone Cold was out. Um, he was their biggest draw. Triple H was like a newly crowned champ and like finally taking that top heel turn drawing. Um, the Rock kept battling him. They went through Mick Foley where he didn't conquer him. He didn't get through. So it's like, okay, he's done. The Rock keeps trying. Now he Triple H keeps defeating him. Stone Cold's out. And then uh, I think it was Linda McMahon dropping the bomb of Stone Cold coming back or Stone Cold will be there or returners or something she said. Yep. And I remember the whole pay-per-view, it's like that's all they talked about was Stone Cold, Stone Cold. Is he going to be there? And it almost took away from every other match. But at the same time, like, you bought that. You were there to watch it. You cared about that that main event. And it was Triple H versus The Rock. I mean, at its apex, like battling back and forth. And after all these months of Triple H's reign, all of a sudden Stone Cold comes out. You hear the music. 
honestly, the biggest crowd reaction I can remember, and, and back then crowd reactions were the best. Everyone was off their seats. Everyone had their hands in the air. There were signs just flying left and right. I mean, that, if that doesn't give you goosebumps when you go back and YouTube it, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry, but Yeah. But anyway, Stone Cold comes out, knocks Triple H out. I believe it was a chair shot, the whole Patterson, Briscoe, all that nonsense. But anyway, and all of a sudden, Rock hits Triple H, spine buster, sets up for the people's elbow. I'm getting pumped up just talking about it. <laughs> and you just watch it, full motion, throwing the elbow pad in, left to right, does it. Earl Habner, one, two, three, and The Rock finally does it. He finally defeats Triple H. After four, five, six months of the Triple H nonsense, and I say as a guy who loved Triple H, loved hmm. him, but at the same time as the majority of fans, they wanted to see The Rock. But the, everything built up to that one match, and it finally happened. He finally won the title. And, and to me, just rewatching it, I'll never, ever forget that moment of the spine buster, people's elbow, the crowd reaction. Um JR going nuts, Lawler going nuts. It, it to me that that just stands out. And those those last few moments to me just totally delivered on the match. It totally delivered. So I'll, I'll never forget those. So that is my number three, actually. Very good pick. That's a good one. I went. Really, <laughs> like it should be number one the way I talked about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sweating. Um, <laughs> mine was a. Uh, I went with the Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys. This is October 25th of 2001, and it is when they won the WCW Tag Team titles from the Hardy Boys, and I picked this one, I believe it was on a SmackDown, and it just stands out to me because it, that I believe that they're the first tag team to hold all, all three titles, so, so they, had won, they had been tag team champs in ECW, WWF at the time, and then uh, WCW title yeah, so that certainly slash whatever but yeah, yeah okay so i i wanted to to pick that one you know of all the amazing matches they've had i i wanted to pick that one just because as it as it stood out um maybe the significance of it or like wow. historical value of it really really good one Thanks. i like it Thank it's you. uh interesting because you know, that storyline, the whole invasion gets a bad rap and people rip on it and say it's one of the worst storylines of all time. But I always like to point out that Invasion 2001 in July, I believe it was in Cleveland, had the single, and to this day, the single biggest non-WrestleMania buy rate of all time. Yeah. So yeah, much as want to rip on it and, you know, like you said, Dudley's and all these guys were switching sides and all this, even though we knew that obviously one man owned them all. Right. It was very cool. I loved it of who would jump, who would do what, everything. And like yeah. you said, WCW champion. I mean, Rock, what, like, WCW champion. Like, what? That makes no sense, but it was great. Well, great. It was it was kind of great seeing, like, this. the WCW, the world, like, heavyweight title for them just seems so much bigger than the WWF one at the time. You know, it, it was just so much bigger. So you're seeing this, like, whoa, wow, that's really cool. Or how they kind of incorporated it where people were holding both titles, things like that, what they did right. with it, you know, and it's interesting to see where they are now where you know just with having the different brands between you know Raw and Smackdown so is that like almost a a, a way of keeping that you know that mindset yeah. that, that's I, still somewhat competitive but you're competing against yourself to keep it sharp 
I don't um, watch now or anything, but I know it's, you know, differentiated Raw SmackDown. But like Matt said, back then, suddenly you're, you're mixing every wrestling entity. We, we knew there was ECW and, you know, Sandman, he'd chug beers and throw guys through tables. And <laughs> Spike Dudley was literally just a rag doll. We, we, we got that. <laughs> WCW, you know, they tried, you know, a bunch of old geezers that couldn't keep up to par anymore. <laughs> well, it's, I, it's, I, I'm just making fun. But yeah. anyway, I, we, there were three different wrestling entities. And all of a sudden we couldn't yeah. have all three combined. Yeah. But we got all three combined. And for, you know, less than a year, we got to see what happened when you mixed. Suddenly, maybe certain guys couldn't keep up to par. Some guys became stars, and you're like, okay, this guy's a keeper. This guy, you know, he he can't really wrestle with us. You know, RVD became a a huge hit. He was always a huge hit with ECW, and all of a sudden you put him with a, I remember, a hardcore title. Like, okay, big hit. But like Matt said, the significance behind it, and I I like that because that's kind of what my list entails, but... Again, that's one I wouldn't have thought of. But again, I I'm not gonna you know think off the top of my head here. But sure. I probably would bet that Dudley's are the only ones to have every you know tag title in all three wrestling factions. So great, great choice there. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it, it goes back to my last um, the the last podcast we did about the Dudleys and all their historic title wins. I will quick mention Buff Bagwell was one who lasted a week before he was literally yeah. kicked out the door on TV, yeah. which was just because he was fired about it. Yeah, I was going to I was going to mention that one too because like it's easy to just remember that part of it, right? Like Buff Bagwell, but you know Noah to like what you were saying is the other guys, you know Booker T. Like look at guys that have excelled that we got from WCW, you know? So right. and, it, and you Booker can't just T, shine a light on Buff Bagwell. The bookend. And, the bookend. Yeah, I always, <laughs> I, always gave Booker T, I always gave him credit because he took less money to go to WWF once WCW folded. He had a guaranteed contract to sit on his couch for a year for millions, but uh, oh. he wasn't going to do that. He wanted to do what he loved, and he wanted to prove he could do it on the big stage, and he did, and more than made it. Now he's in the Hall of Fame. Two times, okay. You know what, then? Um, I honestly did not know that. So guess what? My my uh, respect rating for him just skyrocketed because here I thought, okay, he's doing the bookend, rip off of the rock bottom, the spinneroony. I mean, I used to do it in backyard wrestling, like, as a joke, like, <laughs> well, just like the worm, you know? Like, okay, what really, what, what, what does that do? But that's something I didn't know, and, it, and that kind of shows where – when Vince bought out the competition, like you want to be a part of this, you want to be, you want to be in, show it, prove it. And honestly, now knowing that about Booker T, he, he fucking worked his ass off. And and probably a lot of us laughed at him then and made fun of him. But guess what? He actually made a second career of himself for that. So kudos to him and and good for Matt again with the Dudley Boys. Like they fucking stood the test of time. And yeah. tag teams, they're easily among the best, without a doubt. Oh sure. Thanks, yeah, man. I would say if we never get anything out of that entire storyline and rip on it all we want, as long as we got the Survivor Series 2001 epic promo from Puddle of Mud, everything oh, was the, <laughs> the best ever. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Just, just YouTube Survivor Series 2001 promo. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Google it. Google it. YouTube it. Yeah. If you're still using Yahoo, Yahoo it. Yeah, It'll lead you to Google. It'll lead you to YouTube. <laughs> we're just going to stop the podcast 
And so yeah, I no matter what you do, though, do not MySpace it. All right, so I'm going to move on here <laughs> and go it. to my number three. Keep it moving. But yeah. before I go to my number three, I will remind you all that you are listening to the 411 Foresight Wrestling Podcast on the 411 Podcast Network. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, YouTube, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. My number three is actually the only one on my list that happened on a Monday Night Raw. It was a Monday, January 4th, 1999. Backstory for you. At the time, in the mid-90s, Vince McMahon had been pretty much distracted by a trial from the federal government, which he eventually ended up beating, by the way, and being acquitted of. But he was a little distracted. And this is where WCW was taken over by Eric Bischoff. They ended up signing everybody imaginable from Hulk Hogan to Scott Hall to Kevin Nash. They had Sting. They had Luger. They had Ric Flair. They had everybody you can imagine. They were all on WCW. And, you know, the WWF was losing money. They were losing tens of millions of dollars. They were recording in, you know, the lowest low of arenas you can imagine. They weren't drawing anything. It was bad for a while. So eventually, I mean, it got so bad that they pretty much had to screw Bret Hart to leaving the company and not paying him his $20 million. It got pretty bad there for a oh while. Oh, my gosh. $20 million it was? It was a lifetime 20-year, 20, $20 million. So technically $1 That's million. That's it? Oh. Either way, <laughs> they couldn't afford to pay anybody anything. And when WCW came calling with, hey, we got Ted Turner's billions of dollars, you know, what would you do? Yeah. So, Fuck it. I'm gone. <laughs> so in, <laughs> in late December... Raw, which, yes, used to be recorded, folks. Again, cost-cutting measure there. It used to be recorded. At the end of December 1998, um, The Rock was champ, and he defended against Mankind. So this would air January 4th. And Mankind won the title. So that was recorded. The people in the crowd knew, obviously, and the taping results. You know, Internet wasn't, you know, too much back then, so word hadn't necessarily spread. But Mankind was technically the champion, but it wouldn't air until the following Monday. They recorded on a Tuesday, I believe. So they eventually got to that show. And at this point, Nitro, which had been defeating Raw 83 weeks in a row in the ratings, they were literally beating them. And it, it got pretty dangerously close there for bad news for Vince. But Mankind and The Rock was the main event for the night. And something Eric Bischoff always liked to do on Nitro was anytime Raw was taped, he would literally open the show on Nitro, which was always live. Again, they had infinite amount of money. They would always open live and tell you what would happen on Raw (laughs) and then tell you to put down your remote because they're live and you don't know what's going to happen. So during the show, Tony Schiavone from a directive backstage from Eric Bischoff was told to pretty much dump all over Mankind and The Rock as the main event for the title. So the famous phrase Tony Schiavone made up was, uh, we understand Mankind, who wrestled here as Cactus Jack years ago, is going to win their world title. And then he goes, that'll put butts in the seats. And then he goes, ugh. And then they went to commercial. And again, there's pretty much something he had always done, except this time, Bischoff didn't know it, but he pretty much just killed his company because... At that very moment, 500,000 viewers flipped over to Monday Night Raw, and they watched Mankind for the first time in his career win the title and have the emotional celebration with Michael Cole and everyone in tears talking about how the everyday man finally did it, and he celebrated. And that night, here's the point of the story, that night, 
WWF won the ratings, and from that point forward, Nitro never won again. It was what you call a massive, massive mistake by Bischoff. And two years later, from a $40 million, $200 million revenue company, Nitro beating Raw 83 weeks in a row, selling out stadiums. Yes, stadiums, not arenas, selling out stadiums. Two years later, Vince bought them for a few million bucks. Wow. That's some, like, uh, Art of War shit right there. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. all this love and war. And Bischoff, you know, he did yeah. that every week, so it wasn't anything new. But that yeah. time, half a million flipped over, and they never turned back. Wow. I, I like that on a bunch of different levels. Uh, number one, that your list is kind of gearing what I thought mine would be towards is, you know, a little different. And it's great because we're getting a little history lesson and hearing more about it and backstory, which is are things maybe not everyone knows. So that is great in that regard. And number two, um, I do remember that match. Um, and I also remember WCW. I remember it was right before we kind of watched, but kind of flipping through channels sometimes with friends, and there'd be two different wrestling channels. We would just skip through them because we didn't watch back then. But it's funny to look back now how much was literally at stake. And, you know, Bischoff kind of sealing his own grave there and, Vince, you, you think of now what they're worth and what they do, and it's like they, I mean, they, I hate to use the term literal, but they literally own wrestling. Right. So, I mean, who knows if, if he didn't do that? Like, what would have happened? They would have just beat WWF back then, now WWE, but do you think it really would have happened? Um, it, it wouldn't have I mean, it would have eventually turned, I think, because Bischoff and the whole company, there's a more of a backstory to it. But it's just historic that they never did win again. And their streak was pretty much over and everybody knew the run was over. And obviously, like you say, or what I said, two years later, you know, it was the beginning of the end, as they say. Yeah. And that's that's so funny how like that was that was it. Like that was just it. They, they never won again. That's funny. Never won again. Okay. Is your number two? All right. So so this one kind of leads me into my number two. Um, not only is it number two on my list, but number two at a WrestleMania. And a Ooh. WrestleMania 17. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. WrestleMania 2001. Check, 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 check out. Dig it in. Anyway... Uh, WrestleMania 17, 2001, my number two on my top five list, The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Everyone, I figured everyone's getting there to it, but I'm going to hit it at number two. Um, number one, the hype. Hype alone, to me, you got to have a buildup. You need to have a buildup to a match. You got to have a backstory. You got to have the hype to it. You got to have the promo. You have to have people actually caring about the previous pay-per-view um whether it's what, what was it it's like okay goes from from royal rumble to no way out to wrestlemania that's when you start to care the beginning of the year the road to wrestlemania and that kind of led up to the rock versus stone cold to me that's when i watched at its apex that's when i cared the most um the match itself awesome the rock to me he takes the stunner and it's like the best of both worlds 
or worst, if you think about it. He takes it the best, but it's also the most funniest way he takes it. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous way. Yeah. But it's also the way no one else can repeat it. And it's like the rock's own way. It's the Stone Cold Stunner. It's the rock bottom. It's the people's elbow. Moves that are synonymous with wrestling. It's Vince McMahon getting involved. And that's actually why number two is where it lands, is because of the ending. Vince turns and he... When Stone Cold says by any means necessary, he, he or whatever he said to lead up to it, like he's willing to do whatever it takes to get that title, and then all of a sudden Vince joins with Stone Cold, but then he just beats him with a chair, and that's how he wins. To me, it was like a nine and a half, nine out of the ten. Like, man, you're right there. You could have done it, but then like, oh, it just ends with like twenty chair whippings and chair beatings, and then and then I think this is when the Rock left for. The Mummy or Mummy Returns, yep, for his character in that movie. Okay, yeah, and and so just like everything was there, and it was right there in it. It's just that little little bit of it, the ending wise, it doesn't reach number one for me. But again, Justin, I'll just never forget watching those and the build up to it. And we probably watched it a million times on a VHS tape. So so what does that tell you? Like, <laughs> if you're willing to watch on a VHS tape, like. <laughs> That, that's got to stand out to you, and that, that I'll never forget. So that's why it's number two on my list. No, that's a really right. good one. Matt, you got anything to add quick? No, that's, that was – I mean it, just all the all the memories of, of watching that stuff. It's it's actually great. Um, My my fourth one is – Oh, come on. Oh, you, you go, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a backstory to this. <laughs> we, we, we definitely need backstories, but – We need – <laughs> let's hear well, it. We don't want this to drag too long. Let's, here, hear, so let's hear it. All right. So um, like I mentioned, uh, somebody on Twitter, I believe two people had this as their number one. It's actually not on my list at all. But the thing about it was it was at the time it's been beat, but it's actually the uh, highest grossing pay-per-view in the United States from the company of all time. Obviously, things have changed now and you know records are broken and sure. a million WrestleMania has done better. But at the time, it was U.S. only. Now it's worldwide. So wow. the time for U.S., it was a record, you know, million pay-per-view buys. It's, it's a big deal to hit that number uh, worldwide. But they did it United States only. So that's how big of interest it was. And it was obviously huge. And, you know, not to put a damper on it, but Stone Cold does often say that's his biggest career mistake of his, you know, entire life is uh, doing the heel turn. He, he thought his character needed freshening up. He noticed uh, how the landscape had changed since returning from his neck surgery. And, you know, he suggested turning heel and doing completely something different than, you know, middle fingers, beer, swilling, and, you know, cheers. Sure. And he did it. And he said, as he was in the ring, he knew it was a huge mistake and he should have given Vince a stunner and called an audible on the spot. But he didn't because obviously, you know, that's what they had agreed to. And some people remember this, but months later, they actually started the face turn of him back when he came back and saved Team WWF on a Raw, leading into Invasion when Vince wanted the old Stone Cold back. Sure. But it was actually a setup because then he stayed heel and then joined the Alliance. Vince and everyone, again, tried to talk him out of it, but Stone Cold wanted to try the heel turn. And unfortunately... Everyone calls this the end of the Attitude Era. You know, fittingly, Vince and Stone Cold shaking hands because they pretty much saved the company in the late 90s. So it was fitting that it was those two on the biggest stage of them all. Which I get. And 
The sad part is you can legitimately go and look at ratings and everything from the next night on, everything went down. So that's why Stone Cold does say the heel turn shouldn't have happened. It was a terrible decision. As memorable as it was, hindsight will remember it as probably not for a good reason. Yeah, and I and again, just to, just a quick touch on that. I, I didn't mind necessarily the, the Vince Stone Cold, but it's like it, it wasn't believable. And then no. the fact that it was this repeated like chair, like using the chair. It's like this is WrestleMania. Yeah. Super Bowl. And and you're just gonna whip a guy with a chair and then that's how, how you win it and like eh. Exactly. And then like weeks later they yeah. beat up um you know, then he joined Triple H, his biggest rival. It was like, wait, what? They just destroyed each other yeah. for months. He hired Rikishi to run him over. And then there was like <laughs> no no like story to it. There's no point to it, you know? Like there's no build up to it, there's no no. Well, that's and, that's a great yeah. that's a great point, Noah. Too like what you're saying, like there, it's build up, right? It's not even just about the yeah. story, but it's it's build up and like to get emotionally involved in it, other than just right. like okay, this that's, is what works. Like that's it, what wrestling. That's what wrestling's based on is the stories, the build up. That's why we care. Yeah, you it's just have you just have a TLC match every night. You know, if right. it wasn't right. about yeah. that, like <laughs> exactly, <you> know. <laughs> we wouldn't care. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, you nailed it. Build Matt, up and, and yep, make it special. Absolutely nailed it, and <laughs> that's why I was number two and not number one to me. But that's you a good. Guys both, both nailed it. Well, I think that's a great way to to yeah break it down. All right, what's your number two? Mine, Moses. mine was Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle, WrestleMania nineteen. Oh. This, I believe this is two thousand and three. I remember yep. it. Oh man, the my my two little bullet points are just like, you know, obviously him, uh, Lesnar, uh, like almost destroying his neck with that the shooting, the shooting star, star press. press, yeah, yes. like, but but that he goes on to finish the match and gives Kurt Angle the multiple F fives, like you know he didn't get him with the one, and just him him whipping him around, like you know Kurt Angle took it like a champ, you know, that was. That was a really good match. That's one that sticks out, and I was happy to see it was a title match as I went back and looked at it and watched yep. the match. So, and yeah, so, great. and it, I tried this list is kind of in chronological order, you know, 2000, 2001, 2003, but you know, as you build up, so you can kind of see that sweet spot from when we were watching, like you were kind of mentioning Noah too for that era, but for me, for what has a place in my heart, so. Yeah, you mentioned the shooting star. There's a good backstage documentary about the whole match, and uh, he ended up only getting a concussion somehow out of that. Okay. That's kind of a miracle only, in itself. To him. But the part about it was he was an amateur wrestler, and if you if you know amateur wrestling, the one thing you always do is neck bridges. So sure. he had a strong neck, and that pretty much is what saved him. So it's kind of ironic after years of doing that. And going into the match, Kurt Angle was actually um, – they pretty much pulled him from the match, and there's going to be Brock Lesnar versus a vacant uh, title. Kurt Angle needed neck surgery, and he was not going to make it to Mania until uh, I believe he called Vince and pretty much begged him to keep him in the match. And uh, Vince and him, I think the story is uh, Vince or somebody started crying, and he basically said, I love you. And it was... You know, him putting trust in him that Kurt Angle could make it through one more match because he ended up getting surgery and was out for months immediately after that. Could he get through one more match and be safe with a 295-pound newcomer, Brock Lesnar? <laughs> right. Clearly nuts. And then, of course, <laughs> as fate goes, it was Brock Lesnar who was pretty much knocked out. 
in the match and angle you know as safe as i guess you can be after a match you yeah. know made it out in one piece suplex city oh <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing for me on that was like it's a shame because lesnar can hit the move like he can do it yeah. yes so so what i didn't get was like okay you knock the guy down like Guys, we've seen in matches where they just drag them over to the center of the ring, maybe a little closer yeah. to where they can hit it. Like, wh- what was so bad about him doing that? I think that was I the know. biggest thing. Like, when I, when I look at it, the it's angle totally you get. totally ego I, and, like. Yeah. I, I think I it was just bad, too far. But at the same time, like, dude, like, you know your limits. You can't jump 20 feet. And he can do it. Lesnar <laughs> right, can right. do it. I don't, right. I don't like Lesnar. He's awesome in being a heel and powerful and his moves. F5 is one of the greatest finishers, honestly, I've seen. But the thing is, he could do that move, and it's like, why didn't you just drag Angle over? Why didn't you do something that you know could have landed him or Angle yeah. hurting and, and move? Like, you know, they BS so many moves, and it's like that yeah. one spot, that one move. Yeah, uh, to me, I, that, that would have been to... perfect. But <laughs> that... I don't want to defend the guy, right? But. I, I think that just because it's WrestleMania, I think he's you know like what's this one thing that can put it put it over right. you know or but like right. I, I agree with what you're saying too the ego and gets I get in the it way because, and, and the sad thing is that's what I think of with it with that match yeah that that's honestly what I think amazing match like totally right. amazing great great guys great wrestlers but when you say Noah Angle Lesnar WrestleMania what do you think of oh Lesnar couldn't yeah. hit it. Broke his, broke his neck. <laughs> broke his neck. Just I mean, I don't know how. I, 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 I try <laughs> that. I do now. that. Like, I'm, in, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> yeah. fed in a tube. Like, no, but no, that's good. That, that's what I think of, and that's a shame because they, they put on a hell of a match. Yeah. That's but, a good pick. I think it's um almost like they made up for it because that following year at SummerSlam, when Kurt Angle was back and healthy and everything, they probably had a better match. And then even on... TV, uh, they did the first ever Iron Man match on yeah. SmackDown, and then they had probably an even better match. So they more than yeah. made up for it. And yeah, you made a good point. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brock has hit the move a million times in training. There's videos, but he had never hit it on TV. So the idea was WrestleMania, he's going to bust out this huge move. It'd be like if Braun Strowman went to the top, you know, and did like a moonsault. Right. You know, it'd be like the most amazing. It's called a WrestleMania moment. So right. he'd hit it a million times in training, OVW, all these things. And then he got to the top, and yes, Angle was you know almost across the entire ring. It would have taken two seconds to drag him back. Would anyone have really cared or noticed? Right, like like you beat the guy, you're dragging him so you can hit the move. Like I'm sorry, but I feel like we've seen that before with top rope moves before. So I don't, I didn't see. Yeah, that. and, and the, as far and, as far as Angle was, he could have just gone to the other turnbuckle. It looks like. Oh yeah, like he could have yeah. just gone. He could have stepped over. Oh Angle, my God, you're you know? right. But Why did I, we never think of that? But I don't know everything about the hard cameras and stuff like that, so he could yeah, have been playing okay, for a certain camera. Okay. You know, yeah. I'll give him that. But but just because I was you know trying to find footage of this, like Justin, you brought up the Iron Man match, and that was oh one of the gosh, first things right. that came up when I typed up, you know, because in my mind I had Lesnar versus Angle, and then kind of had to go through some things. But, oh my gosh, yeah. you're yeah. right. Yeah, so it, you know, he's too close. Yeah, he's a quarter of the way versus three quarters of the way. <laughs> right, so it, I, I think it's that, interesting honestly, to go that back. now knowing 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 that it's either the number one the camera angle, yeah, and like they're like you have to do this from this angle, right? No pun intended, no pun intended, but yeah, <laughs> um, or it has to be ego. To yeah. me, Lesnar seems like an ego guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge reason why, honestly, I, I don't, I could care less about what goes on now because I keep yeah. hearing he's had the title for like four years and, <laughs> and that's a whole different story. But again, yeah. like he just seems like an ego guy to me now at this point. But again, I mean, you're dominating. You can do the move. Like there's nothing physically he can't do. So I just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we could talk about this one forever, but again, <laughs> Let's keep going. Yeah, I'm gonna go to my number two, but real quick, I'll say, Matt, you are right. The Iron Man match is way better than the other matches they've had, so that would probably pop up first, even bigger than the WrestleMania sure. match. And sure. Noah's right; you you do go to the hard cam. You always go to that side for a finisher. So he oh, was okay. not gonna go with that turn. So I didn't before. know. So I didn't know. So that, yeah. that makes sense. And, and I guess it, maybe maybe Lesnar's like maybe Lesnar's like fuck. I gotta do this. <laughs> like, and he's right. like. Shit, you this commit. Could be the literal biggest, you know, yeah. five star of my life, and like, yeah. he's got to do it. So maybe, maybe then you give him more credit for being like, you know what? I, I literally have to try this for my life, and and you know what? There, so, there's so many layers. Here. There's so many layers yeah. to it because like yeah. you could say, you know, you never know. Like Lesnar could, you know, like Kurt Angle could have scooted over. Like you see guys that like he could, you know, like not yeah, to not yeah. to put blame when, on when anyone he's climbing else. Climbing and they're focusing yeah. on Lesnar. Maybe yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good There's, point. There's, you know, so all right. Like, I, I take back whatever I. A couple whatever egos. I said wrong about not to, just a real quick thing, but yeah, just a, like you know. So there's there's so many layers to it, but what what was yours, Justin? Let's hear it. Um, I'm gonna go to quick number two, but number two, number two. Number two. So I'm gonna Good set job. the stage for you. WrestleMania 21, April 2005. John Cena and Batista were on the rise. Batista was rising on Raw. He was next, clearly going to be the next man up. John Cena was rising on SmackDown. It was clearly a new era. Everybody knew it. Brock Lesnar was gone. He had already left. Mick Foley was gone. The Rock was gone. Triple H, all these guys were winding their careers down. Undertaker, Kane, Big Show, I could go on and on. They needed new blood, and that was John Cena and Batista. And Batista was going to face Triple H in the main event of WrestleMania 21. That was the final match. And he's also the guy who won the Royal Rumble that year. On the SmackDown side, John Cena versus JBL was for the WWE title. That is my number two, Cena versus JBL. But the backstory here is that Batista won the Royal Rumble. And who did he eliminate to win? John Cena. When it was Batista getting the main event shot, who closed the show over John Cena? It was Batista. They both were in the draft lottery months later at the time when they had the titles. Who was the big pick at the end? It was Batista, but the reason I have John Cena versus JBL is because despite Batista clear, clearly being 1A and Cena being 1B in the company's eyes, Batista ended up getting injured a few too many times, and Cena, always in the underdog role, slowly rose and surpassed Batista on the pecking order. And this is going to be probably the next podcast but John Cena then John went Cena on to pretty much he went on to um, main event for the next decade straight, lead the company <laughs> in everything, any everything, every record, every merchandise thing. Hogan, Stone Cold, Cena beat them all, and the company obviously years ago we talk about this, which was valued at one billion dollars, is now valued at over seven billion dollars. And you can obviously make a case for a million different reasons why, but leading the charge for the past 14 years has been John Cena. Sure. And he's been the man. He's been the top guy. And I mentioned our next podcast, 
I, because of this win that started at all, I am putting John Cena on my Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Okay, okay. All right, I've got a couple things to say. So if you had to choose four wrestlers, Cena would be on there? Well, I don't want to spoil everything between, because I think this is a good, but there's two guys that I think everybody will put on. I guess I'll say who, but it's Hogan and Stone Cold. If those two are not on your top four, then you clearly don't know anything. So Hogan and Stone Cold. (laughs) Okay. And John Cena, after uh, 14 years, longer than Hogan, longer than Stone Cold, longer than anybody you can name, he was on top. And clearly I just mentioned the business side of it. You can't really argue numbers. So Cena at this point has clearly earned it. And I would put him in the third spot. And here's where the funny part is, is the Mount Rushmore. Um, The funny part for me is who does get that fourth spot? Is it The Rock? Is it Ric Flair? Is it Andre? Is it Vince? Is it Undertaker? Is it Shawn Michaels? You just leave. You just leave leave, leave Abraham Lincoln up there. That's all you (laughs) That's true, too. (laughs) No, he was a wrestler. (laughs) (laughs) The vampire hunter, you leave him up there. Vampiro. Abe Abe Lincoln was a wrestler. Oh, that's crazy. Of course he he was. He was in a zombie movie. But anyway, (laughs) quick aside, I'd do even better than Stone Cold. I'd say Hogan and Triple H. But anyway, moving on. No, not even close. Moving moving on. Hey, Triple, could, H, Triple H is a good I, one. I'll, I'll stand up for Noah on that one. I, I could definitely – I I definitely would argue uh, – that's a really good, actually, podcast okay. next next one. Okay. Your Mount Rushmore. Stone Cold. Your, <laughs> uh, if, if we got to pick four all-time, four all-time, yeah. I, I think it's a really, really good podcast, really good Mount Rushmore. Next yeah. question to everybody, hashtag it, Mount Rushmore, oh WWE wrestlers. That's going to be a really good one. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually excited about them. But anyway, oh my um, that, that's a good one because I remember Cena, like Justin said, only in the fact that I remember when he first came out, he did his raps. He, he worked his way up. He, you know, he was a little bit older looking back on things, but he worked his ass off, worked his way up. And I, and I bought into it. I used to have the, the gold chain word life, <laughs> the headband. Yeah, I had for the sure. D, I had the poly D hair poof like <laughs> you know what, what i could do with it um the the shirts the gold chain all that the the wristbands headband stuff and and i remember when he first faced undertaker i'm like i love this guy and like jbl i never liked jbl didn't care for him didn't think he was that great honestly didn't understand why he was this miss main event i know he did for like a year but um good for cena to do that and I guess that's just where I stand. It's more or less knock on JBL and Cena definitely earning his due on a list here. So, Well, I think it's good that you mentioned age because that's another reason Cena ended up surpassing Batista. Batista is the one who started in his 30s. Cena was in his 20s. So, again, if you're the company, who are you going to go with? The guy getting hurt a lot and up there in age or John Cena who's younger, I guess, you know, better looking, all these different things. So slowly but surely, Cena became the man. And then, like I said, ran the company pretty much for over a decade now and he's just slowly now yeah. starting to go to Hollywood and doing his own thing so right. he deserves he, it all. He's the new rock, yeah. And I and I totally get that. And I and I get that and he's earned it and he's he's done his thing. He's put in his time and I have no complaints about Cena and whatever happens with him or what he does or what they do with him or what he's earned. So that's that's good for him. All right, I think we are at our number ones, if I believe so. Okay. All right, all right, just like that. Just like that. Noah, you want to lead us off? All right, let's everyone quiet down. 
I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, I'm, hang- I'm singing the Hardy Boys theme song here. Not only did SummerSlam 2000 set us up with with arguably the greatest TLC match, Ooh. Edge, Christian, Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, Devon, Bubba Dudley, Dudley Boys, Edge and Christian, Hardy Boys, SummerSlam 2000 set us up, but that is not number one on my list. Oh, it is going oh, to be the false second finish. match <laughs> from WrestleMania 17. In my opinion, the the greatest pay per view that I've seen personally, um, in which every match, honestly, I could watch through every single time. But TLC number two. Oh sure. Between all three of those aforementioned wrestlers, um, again, SummerSlam 2000 set us up. But WrestleMania 17, it topped it in every single way. Not only were the the ladders higher, the table falls greater, more tables involved, more wrestlers involved. Each tag team had someone come out now in their defense. Not not just like cheering them on and you know cheering them to get up or whatever. But Rhino came out. He he came out with the gore. The, the Spike Dudley with the Dudley dog. Lita with the, the Lita Karana or Hurricane Rana or whatever she called it. Um, but again, like, you look back at that match and I could almost every single fall, every single spot, it, it was like a moment that I just won't forget. Yeah, and and they, they took it to the next level. You could see they're a lot more comfortable yeah, with what was thing. going on with, the like, the equipment, level. right, that they're using. Yeah, like, it, it, it was just everything was topped. Everything that TLC number one had in SummerSlam 2000, which is what I thought of putting number one for me, because to me those were the moves that I, I followed that I tried to emulate again when we backyard wrestled. Like, I I love the Hardy Boys. I love the, the tables, the ladders. Like, what can we do? What can we use? What can we do better? What can we jump off of? What can we use? You know, not to just wrestle on the ground or wrestle on the grass or the snow. Like, what right, can we use right. to our advantage? No, and, that's... and to me, those three tag teams just—they just topped it. Yeah. And the number one moment for me, um, honestly, if you were to be like Noah, this is what wrestling is defined by. This is what you look back on your time when you watched. To me, it's Jeff Hardy hanging from the top rope. Oh man! Edge steering him off. Yeah. And it's—I look back at the the my sacrifice videos that oh, they did. Sure. Sure. With the the moment of when you are with me, and it's like at that moment where they hit it, yeah, and that's when Edge spears Jeff Hardy and he oh, looks man. up and then looks down and like just epic. I don't know. To me, that, yeah. that just I just can't top it. That's just what I always come back to. Yeah, and in that moment again, WrestleMania 17, we watched it over and over on VHS, and it's like I, I just I will never forget that moment. I'll never forget that match. Yeah, and to me. There was a TLC three. Um, again, Jericho is a aforementioned uh, teammate that we will not mention, but great moment in time. But it was to make up for Triple H's injury, so it's people kind of forget that and they may not even remember it. But yeah. to me, WrestleMania, the top of the top in that moment, besides Rock and Stone Cold, that match stole the show. And they're honestly, like I wouldn't redo anything. Like, there's nothing I would change about it. No, I think it's great. Yeah. So, 
to me that that's just my number one match, and I'll, I'll just I don't think I'll ever change that. No, it's a good pick. Yeah, you did great. I don't even have much to add to it. I mean, you nailed it, man. That's it's. I mean, it, it's a roller coaster ride of emotions, right? Just them putting their their bodies on the line like that and taking it, it to was, the next and, level. And everyone just had a put, chance to win it. Everyone you thought yeah. the moment from three Ds to. To Devon's finisher off the top of the ladder, to like Bubba Ray going with Matt Hardy through a table, like oh, thirty man. feet in there outside of the ring. I mean, just oh my gosh, every, yeah. every tag team, every member had their moment. They had their chance to shine. I feel like that one kind of stole the show. So again, I'm, yeah. All right, see you guys. I'm going to YouTube it. All right, no, please. come on. <laughs> no, we got Matt's pick yet. Mine? All right, all right. Let's, let's go, Moses. Let's go. So I had to pick one just because he had to be on my list is Goldberg and him winning the WCW title against Hogan. Justin helped me with this one a little bit. Before oh, yeah. We were talking about, all right, here's but... the backstory here. All right. This is uh, me, one of the biggest me, moments in me, WCW history. Let me try. Let me try the background first. Cause I, I did look this up and then you, you, okay, you, 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 uh, you do your hashtag actually. So all right. what, what it was, was this was, you know, obviously a record with, uh, Goldberg being undefeated, but also Hulk Ho- uh, Hollywood Hogan was coming back. This was like his fourth time coming back into WCW, and he himself was on a on a streak of like, was it what was it Justin seventy something of hi- of him well, not losing or reign? He was like reigning champion for such a long time. Yeah, he was on top as always, which he pretty and, much always. And which I do want to. We were talking about egos, and I want to touch on this. Uh, it's it, because Goldberg wins. He undefeated, he gets the title. But when you watch the match, it isn't clean. It isn't like in the middle, you know, in the middle of the ring like that, fair and square. The whole thing. This is, um, <laughs> um, is it Carl Malone, the mailman? He like comes out to the like. Who's, oh yeah, Carl Malone was doing it. Dennis Rodman it, back then. It, so yeah, it was it was DDP and um and Carl Malone, the mailman. They come to the ring after. Uh, Justin, can you help me with his name? Is it Henning or something like that? Kurt Henning. Thank you, Kurt Henning. Is com- is com- yes, is he's coming to the ring, and then it kind of like stops the match for a little bit, and then all the all the camera pans to is the mailman giving him, uh, giving that uh, Kurt Henning the diamond cutter, and then Hulk Hogan's distracted, turns around, gets speared, jackhammer, and then and then Goldberg wins it. So. That's just uh, my my little take on it too, you know, just the way it was like, or as far as ego goes, like Hogan couldn't lose straight up. It had to be like, like not dirty, but it still had like something to it, you know, which, which just looking back at it, you know, I mean, I was glad Goldberg won and I got a soft spot for him and, and a hard spot or whatever, but uh, oh, do, you, do you have, what, what, what was your, what was your background going to be for it, Justin? You can, you can drop yeah, some knowledge on us now. This was arguably the biggest moment in WCW history, but it was, again, like uh, six months later, kind of like with giving away the results. It also backfired on them. So what happened was at the end of June, at the King of the Ring, Kane won the world title. He held it for one day because the next night, Stone Cold beat him right back for the title on Raw. So they ended up doing a huge number. They pretty much gave away you know, Stone Cold versus Kane and a title switch, Stone Cold beating Kane for the title that he had just won the night before. So it was pretty much like a pay-per-view, and they did a huge number. So WCW, being the uh, not-so-bright people that they are, pretty much hit the panic button on that next week's Thunder 
and pretty much announced out of the blue, undefeated Bill Goldberg, hottest star in probably the entire industry, is going to be getting a title match against Hogan. And then they announced it in Goldberg's hometown at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. So I don't know about you, but that smells like pure money. That smells like a record pay-per-view. That smells like weeks and weeks of build. But they gave it a few days. And yes, they filled 40,000 in the Georgia Dome. And yes, they ended up winning the ratings war for that night. But again, this was at a time where WCW could have used any bit of profit they could have to make their money back. And winning the night didn't earn them an extra cent. Now, millions of people buying the pay-per-view and selling out the Georgia Dome 80000 and having weeks and weeks to promote in Atlanta come to the Georgia Dome instead of five days' notice. But again, at the time, it was all about the ratings victory and Bischoff looking Tuesday afternoon at the numbers and saying, we beat Raw versus, hey, why don't we spend a few weeks and think long-term and get this Goldberg on pay-per-view beating Hogan? But regardless, I agree with your pick. It was probably the biggest moment in WCW history at the time. But again, hindsight looks back on it and says, hmm, I don't know. So it was basically a one-week panic reaction to Raw doing a huge number at the end of June. So I loved it. And yes, like you said, the ego thing, there's always a reason behind it. Right. Hogan was in a celebrity feud at the time. So they were actually going to have a tag match at the next pay-per-view with, I think it was Malone or Jay Leno or Rodman or whoever they brought in at the time. Sure. So they were doing the tag match. So Hogan didn't really need the title for the tag match. So believe it or not, it was his idea who suggested this. Oh, okay. But, but Hogan, like you said, the ego, the rumor has it, the reason he suggested this is because then he would come back months later and end Goldberg's streak. Oh, Sure. It didn't end up happening. Yeah. But that was his idea at the time. So, again, there's always a reason for it. It's similar to 2002. Right. If you remember when Brock Lesnar was undefeated and on his war path to the title, beating the Rocket SummerSlam. In the buildup, he destroyed Hogan with a chair and bloodied him up and rubbed his blood all over his chest. Yep. And, the, and this was laid out by Hogan. He suggested this. So, again, his ego and all that. But, again... His idea was he would have this and then come back at Survivor Series 2002 in New York, Madison Square Garden, and end Lesnar's undefeated streak for the title. Right. That didn't happen either. People saw right through it. And after they did the destroying with the chair, then they just never went to that. So <laughs> poor Hogan. Which, had poor Hogan. But, but, like, you could, you know, and. You know, e- ego in not always in a in a bad way, right? But like also as a, it's a, it would be a smart business move, right? They seem well, like right. smart business decisions, and and it is a business, and you you know if you're doing it that way, I totally get it. You know, I it, get it. It makes sense. It was, yeah, it was something with uh, mentioning of the Lesnar shooting star. Pride comes before the fall. You know, he thought he sure. could do it, and Hogan again. I'm gonna talk about him in a little bit because actually he's my number one coming up but the thing about it was you know he had the track record he sold out arenas he did all these things so saying well he shouldn't have been on top well you know history shows yes he should have been on top so it is better for business definitely all right i guess um we're ready for my number one here it is this match is before any of us were even born any hint any ideas? Not a clue. Um, January 23rd, I knew 1984. <laughs> I, knew I was born in 84, I, but oh, oh yeah, the, September 84. Go on. Go Hulk on. Hogan, Hogan <laughs> defeating the Iron Sheik 
for the WWF Championship. All these things that we just mentioned, everything, all the memories, all the moments, everything, none of that would have happened because that was the birth of Hulkamania, and that is when wrestling became mainstream worldwide, and Hulkamania ran wild on everybody. So for historical value, you do have to go back to where it all started because none of this would have happened without that. Oh, I feel like I feel like we should have had Jason on this podcast. He could have just lit us up with his Hogan impersonations. Overheal <laughs> American. Very cool. No, that's a really good one, Justin. Um, that one came through like as I scrolled through a lot of the try to do some research and find some title matches. And it, well, you know, to be to be honest, I didn't think of it or, or read it because it just wasn't what I was looking for at that time. <laughs> but but I can I, for something fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the pictures were in black and white, so I just kept scrolling. No. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys have any like quick honorable mentions, any title matches or matches, maybe you want to quick add out there quick before we sign yeah. off. Well, you know what? I don't mean I don't mean uh, someone we didn't even mention. Did did Randy Orton? Did he make any of anyone's lists? He, yeah, he, he was on mine. Okay. What? The triple threat at WrestleMania 30 oh, with the triple. Right. You're right. That's my bad. Okay, the triple threat. But oh, I'm just trying to right. think of other of other people that would have been. Yeah, sing- singularly. Yeah. Oh. Uh, what about Shawn Michaels? Well, it's funny you mention that. On on one of my honorable mentions would be uh, HBK Razor Ramon, the very beginning of a ladder match. Right. Okay. WrestleMania 10. Oh, that sure. was definitely you have to mention that. Good one. Started all ladder match, did things off the ladder. Good one. Great feud to begin with, but you take it to a whole other ladder level, and obviously my list doesn't exist without them. So sure. HBK Razor Ramon hit my honorable mention. Okay, that's a really good one, Justin. Do you have an honorable mention? Um, yeah, I was just going to say Brock Lesnar versus The Rock at SummerSlam. Again, it did major money, huge promotion, one of the biggest buy rates in history. And it was, again, just kind of the passing of the torch. Rock was leaving. They needed a top star. 2002, that was Brock Lesnar. And then he led us now into the next generation. So that would be an honorable mention. And then did Chris Jericho make our list other than build-ups? Was he a triple threat too? See, uh, that's another one. Yeah, I definitely want to give a shout-out to Jericho. But I just, yeah, no. I just couldn't find that single match with him. Triple H, yes. Angle, yes. I saw one. Not, not that it would yeah. be a top five for me. But, again, I, I definitely want to give a shout-out to Jericho, who I was going to say why I mentioned him with Angle and the other man. Um, Just to give the shout-out to him because they were extremely underrated, underappreciated. Yeah. And if it weren't for the, the push that the main guys got – they stole the show almost every every night, every pay per view. Well, because I thought Jericho had it. Wasn't there one night where he won both titles? In, yeah, in he unified them. Yeah. He unified them. That was the a unified thing, yeah. champion. And I was, and that's where I was trying to look back and think. I'm like, the matches weren't necessarily memorable. Yeah, he unified them, but that's if a you good don't point. look them up, you you don't remember. Right. That's a good point. I fell I fell I into that trap that, myself. But to me, Jericho, we loved him. You know. Walls of Jericho, Y2J, everything. We all liked them, but again, if it doesn't necessarily come to your mind, I just couldn't put them in top five, but absolutely yeah, honorable agree. mention Y2J. I like, agree. Yeah, just, somebody had mentioned that on uh, Twitter. The night he beat Rock and Stone Cold, the two biggest stars. Yep, of yeah, yeah. Sure. The two in one night, yep, exactly. 
That was Vengeance 2001. So that was memorable. Do you okay. have any other ones, guys? Did, just, do, did The Undertaker make... Did any of his matches make the list? He, and that's an okay, good point to there. I looked up Undertaker's and all his memorable matches to me. They weren't for titles. Yeah, because right. even Hell in a so Cell with him versus shame. Mankind, was, like... Yep, exactly. Yeah, that, that was the shame with him or sure. all the battles with Kane, Stone yeah. Cold, like... All of them were just, or under, or I mean, Triple H. Sorry, sure. uh, Undertaker and Triple H, like great, great feud. Justin, you remember when I said perfect match? Yes. And then except there wasn't. It, except I didn't rate it number one. Like that one used <laughs> to be the joke. Like, oh, it was a perfect match. WrestleMania again. WrestleMania seventeen. Oh sure, sure. Best, best pay per view ever. Yeah. I had Triple H Undertaker perfect match bar none. Ooh, could and you... then it wasn't ranked like even top. It was it didn't even make my list here because yeah. it wasn't for a title but Yeah. And this again, is one amazing. This is this is a yes or no question. Could you could you make an argument for, you know, rest, you know, WWE Mount Rushmore Undertaker? Yes, yes. or no? Yeah. Yes, Justin, yes, you, Noah. You can make an argument yeah, but I would bet nobody puts him on. And okay, that's a shame. it's yeah, a shame. It's a shame. No, that's and I, it. and I may not, and I may not put him on, but I'm probably put him on. Absolutely, I'm probably that. gonna put gold dust on my. No, I'm kidding. So, um, I do have one more for honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. I, I did have the hardcore title belt with the twenty four seven thing at Madeline. Yeah. Uh, mentioned earlier, yeah. but this one, um, Eddie Guerrero winning the title yeah. for the first time. Yeah, you're reading. Yep. You're reading my mind. Yeah, I, really. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I was just. I, have, I don't have that I have, written down, but just thinking of it too, I'm like, man, that that moment, him holding it like that, like gripped in his yeah. forearms, like look at like teary, yeah, teary eyed, like yeah. And, that's, I, and that's exactly why, because I look back and I think of. Eddie Guerrero, he made wrestling fun again. Mm-hmm. It wasn't where I watched every week as I used to in high school, but when I randomly did yeah. after high school, Eddie Guerrero made made wrestling fun again. The whole lie, cheat, steal thing. I yeah. mean, it's you know great, whatever. But like he made, it was just generally like you were happy to see him win. You were, yeah. He made you like enjoy wrestling. It was fun. It didn't have to necessarily be about storyline or technicality. It was it was just fun to watch. Yeah. And then also, I want to say like a guy that well deserved, absolutely earned it after all he put into it to finally get that title. And then the number one thing is going to be Justin. I th- I hope you remember this, but do you remember me telling you that I had a dream about Eddie Guerrero? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> where, where I had a dream Eddie Guerrero came back. Oh, yes. I do remember this now. Yes, he, he came back. He like, jacked, and then he hit the frog splash. And I, I I don't know if I told you about it at the time, but I had the dream of that. And this is when Eddie Guerrero was injured and out. Okay. Nobody will remember this. He used to be with the Hardy Boys and Lita, and all of a sudden Eddie Guerrero was wearing the Hardy Boys armband. And then he got injured, and he was out for months and months and months. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Eddie Guerrero came back jacked up like muscular all of a sudden was a top name and you know became a title contender and right before he came back and did all that i had a dream that eddie Guerrero came back jacked up and sure. up someone up. sorry my cat um <laughs> and i told justin about that and it was like what are you talking about and yeah. then all of a sudden it literally happened wow. and then all of a sudden eddie Guerrero won the title i'm like to me i mean i just feel like we we have to mention eddie Guerrero. rest in peace like 
a shame what happened, but absolutely a guy that deserved it. And to me, when I didn't watch wrestling as much, he was kind of the reason why I would have watched. Sure. So I just yeah, that's a really to me. And again, Eddie Guerrero was just fun. Like he just he was fun to watch and yeah. kind of like one of the guys. Like you, you feel like if he won the title wherever he wanted or was celebrating, like you would have met him at the bar, would have celebrated with every fan and like. And, and those are the guys you kind of want to cheer for, like like Daniel Bryan. Like, he just became one of the guys. And, like, how could you not root for him? No, right. So, I, mean, yeah. I, I just, I just have then, to mention Eddie Guerrero finally winning that title. And to me, that was that was just a big moment for an honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah, it was either going to be that one over Brock Lesnar or the Daniel Bryan match because both points were kind of the same about the underdog and how fans yeah, pretty much demanded the spot. Yeah, Lesnar, yep. Sure. And just a quick point, um, Eddie Guerrero did get hurt with the Hardy Boys thing, but he also got in trouble with the law and was fired for those months. And then oh, he was okay. welcomed back in good graces. Again, that's part of his redemption story because he had oh. you know a whole lot of issues that he finally beat his demon. As, as a guy who has definitely had his demons and redemption, again, I, yeah, I don't know. No, that's I, great. I can relate to Eddie Guerrero, so kudos to him. Rest in peace. But, yeah, I, I had to I had to mention Eddie Guerrero. So. That's a really good one. All right. Do you guys have any, uh, Matt, you want to go first with any last plugs, anything to hook you up? No, yeah. Uh, feel free to hit me up at Twitter, Mr. Matty Moses. YouTube's the same. Instagram's the same. And, yeah, yeah. that's just where – Try to promote this stuff out there and check out whatever else I got going on musically and, and whatnot. So I'll pass the torch to Noah. Great list. Um, everyone, I, I like how we were all different in our list. I actually was afraid that we were going to be kind of similar. But, again, great list, great history behind it. I love how we were differentiated. Again, Mr. Manny Moses, M-A-T-T-Y-M-O-S-E-S. Justin Watcher, of course you know that you're listening to it. You follow him. He's got the history. He's got the takes. I'm a newbie. I don't know what I'm doing. I just got the few years span. Um, but, again, that's my list. Hit it back to Justin. Great. Great all right, stuff. Yeah, just to repeat that, I love that our lists were different. You know, we're all fans in this. We all love it. So it's just cool that everyone has their own take. We all have opinions. You know, there's nothing to argue or fight over. You know, we all no. love it. In the end, we're all here for the same reason. Yeah. It will. Uh, yes. I just want a quick, quick, quick shout out. Absolutely now. Next podcast, Mount Rushmore. That's going to be a good one. <laughs> oh, boy. I can hear the fighting already. So, actually. <laughs> yes. Well, actually. Well, you said. He, he, well, The Rock says. Well, The Rock says. <laughs> well, the, what? Son of a, all right. what? What? <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> one last plug. You are listening to the 411 Foresight Wrestling Podcast on the 411 Podcast Network. We are on Apple, we are on Spotify, we are on Google Play, we are on TuneIn, we are on YouTube, and yes, we are even on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, give us some love, and we are going to end things here with Moses and the Hermit, Act 1, Vibe. Yeah. We vibe in. <laughs> You can catch me chillin' at the speakeasy 
Maddie on the other mic, make it look easy. We ain't here to start trouble or steal your breezy. I saw a breeze by, I think she got fleas. Please believe me, I'm headed to an island now. Where they offer me weed and I have to turn it down. I'm the opposite of Turner, but I'm getting down. On my square, you out of shape when I come around. The five catcher, number one chief rhyme inspector. Holding down my sector, know it's been a pleasure. Give a damn about the heckler out of show. Give him a drink before we toss him out the front door. Now the vibe is back, riding on this loopy track. You call the contact, that's how we bring him back. I should have told y'all the monsters changing back. Bill Bixby chilling till the world collapsed. Yeah. We stay vibing at perfect time, and y'all see us shining. Stand up for real, and we got that flow, y'all. We about to show y'all, that's how we do, y'all. Vibing. Stay vibing at perfect time And y'all see us shining Stand up for real Hey, we got that flow, y'all We bout to show y'all That's how we do, y'all Vibing Moses on the mic And you know I keep it vibing Straight to your brain Like too many coke and lime I've done this for a while But I always got time in To sit down and vibe for you And rhyme some rhymes And let you know I know how to relax If you walk the wagon We kick it, you gonna relapse Skipping on house payments I'm a swooping like Remax I can do it all I'm a man of many hats. A check of all trades. If you can do it, I've done it. I see you bumming. You've been walking and I'm running. I rock a red beard, but I'm not one for hunting. Unless your girl's alone, kid, then you see me gunning. For what's yours is mine, you're too kind to share. I can tell you're just a tortoise and I'm the hare. Winning nonstop, cause you're ill prepared. With the vibes, you'll be catching the shit, it'll leave you scared. We stay vibing at perfect time, and y'all see us shining. Stand up for real, hey, 